are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. you haven't been with us, we're studying a book by Paul as he was writing to a church that had lost its way. They had lost their focus. They found themselves... um, going opposite of where they needed to be, arguing with one another, bickering back and forth, allowing things into the church that they shouldn't allow into the church. And, and Paul notices this, and, and being one of the forefathers, he, he goes to them and guys, says, guys, this just is not cutting it. Now, last time we were together, I shared with you that Paul ended chapter 12 with a series cliffhanger. Any of you ever get addicted to a series on TV and you're watching it faithfully every week or maybe you are watching it on Netflix or Hulu and you're streaming it and you just get going and going and going and going and then you reach the very last episode of that series and they leave you with a cliffhanger. Anybody else like that? And you're like, I've got to wait like four months till I can find out what happened. That's kind of what happened to us. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, he has just talked about how the body is to work together and how individually we're just a big monster and we're not a big eye or a big toe, but we're all these parts working together. He talks about the many spiritual giftings in the church and are we all called to be this? Are we all called to be that? But then he wraps up all of that with this statement. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And now we have a new chapter. We've been hanging out there in that la-la land for about three or four weeks waiting for the answer. So what is it that's best of all? I would venture to say that each and every one of us in this room want the best that life has to offer. Yes? I would venture to say that each and every one of us want the best that God has to offer for our lives. So what is it that Paul is getting ready to share with us? He's talked about unity. He's talked about embracing diversity. But now he says, let me show you a way of life that is better than all the others. Let me show you the way of life that is absolutely the best. And he jumps head first into a dialogue of the importance of more than just action, but of a deep down, heartfelt love. What is love? Our society as it stands really doesn't understand love. We misunderstand it almost on a daily basis. Google defines it as this, an intense feeling of deep affection. That's not a bad definition, but I'm not really sure that that Google has the right answer here. I'm not really sure that Google takes this definition and breaks it down quite like Paul was wanting them to do. It was Jonathan Swift, the author of Gulliver's Travels. You guys remember the book Gulliver's Travels? He once made this statement, we have enough Religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. Wow. 
as I read that scripture, I read that quote several weeks ago, and I was processing through this message, and I, I found that quote online, and I read that, I was hit hard, and I thought, my goodness, how often we're guilty of that. We have enough religion to hate, to hate what is wrong. But do we have enough to cause us to love? Let me take just a moment. I want to read this entire chapter. I want to read it in its completion. Why do I want to do that? Because if Paul found it necessary enough to to pause and say, let me show you the way of life that is absolutely the best of all. I want to make sure that you grasp it tonight. Listen very carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong Or a clanging symbol. If I had the gift of prophecy. And if I understood all of God's secret plans. And possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains. But didn't love others. I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor. And even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love, it will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes... These partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly as a cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything perfectly uh, in perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Why did Paul take the time to discuss love with the Corinthian church? Well, I believe part of the reason why he felt it necessary to discuss Love is he was still dealing with the issues of abuse of the tongue, division, envy of spiritual gifts, selfishness, and impatience within the church. 
He was pulling all of these issues together and reminding this church gone wild that God was not pleased and the life that they were now leading was not one of love. So he takes the time to dissect love, to to break it apart into little increments that that they can grasp a hold of, that they can grab a hold of in bite-sized pieces. Here's what I've discovered about this chapter. Love is not a display of the gifts of the spirits. Love is not knowledge. It's not the more knowledge I have, the more love I have. That doesn't equate. It's not faith. He says, if I had the faith to move mountains, but I don't love, I have nothing. It's not charity. It's not how many people can I bless, how often can I give money to this, or can I volunteer to that. That's not love. That's a duty. It's not self-seeking. What can I get out of this? But love is patience. Love is kind. Love is never ending. It's full of faith. It's always hopeful. It's enduring. And love is eternal. Love never ends. So what do you and I do with love? How do we apply it to our lives and to our surroundings? If Paul states that it's the best way of life and the only thing that lasts forever is love, then, then what should we do with it? Tonight I want to answer three questions regarding love. Very quickly, number one is this. What is the source of of love. You see, if I'm going to figure out what to do with this idea of love, this behavior of love, this attitude of love, this um, characteristic of love, then I really need to know what is the source in which I need to resemble and follow after. We need to dig in and discover the root of love. Is it even from a source that we should follow? Or is love something that's unnecessary or even unneeded? Well, first John gives us the answer to that question. Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, that's you and I, let us continue to love one another. Let me pause there just for a moment before we define where love comes from. Look at what it's saying here. Let us continue. So therefore, there's an understanding that we're already doing love. Okay? So there's an expectation not to begin It doesn't say, dear friends, let us start loving. It doesn't say, dear friends, because God loves us, you should love. He says, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from, here's the answer, what's the root of love? God. Let's continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is Love. God is the source of love. You cannot separate God and love. God is the very essence of what love is. The two are combined. The two are one. God is love. The Bible goes on to tell us that God demonstrated his love for us. He personified his love for us in Jesus. As Jesus came to this earth to die on a criminal's cross 
for you and for me. It goes on to tell us that love is not determined by the fact that we loved him first, but that he loves us first. God is love. The Bible clearly tells us if we do not show love, look at this, we do not know God. Let me say that again. If we do not show love, we do not know God. How can I say that? Well, look at this. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. The two work hand in hand. Therefore, if we claim to be a follower of God, and we desire to be a follower of God, we must begin, or really continue, to show love. But what kind of love are we to show? What kind of love are we to display? Well, Romans 12, 9 gives us that answer. Don't just pretend to love one another. Really love them. Now, have you, have you ever noticed when someone is fake? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's pretty obvious to, to tell, well, that person is not real genuine in their behavior and in their actions. Oftentimes, we will try to put on this front, but people know whether if you're sincere or not. Allow your love to be a representation of who God truly is. Now, is this easy to do? Not always. Quite honestly, there are some people that are hard to love, not you. You guys are so easy to love, every single one, well, you guys are easy to love. There are times that we feel that we're going above and beyond the call of duty simply to like somebody, much less love them, you see, but our love is to resemble who God is to the world, and who is God to the world? God is love, and God sent Jesus to die. God is our answer, so Paul points out through his chapter, or through this book, that exercising all the gifts of the Spirit, and by the way, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are vitally important. We need the gifts of the Spirit, but exercising the gifts of the Spirit without without allowing love to be the core of who we are is absolutely, listen carefully, worthless. Wow. Some of the guys are going, I wish I would have gone to the men's Bible study. Having the spiritual gifts, he says, you can speak in tongues all day long, but if you don't love, you're just making a bunch of rackets. Why? Because God is love. And if you're not displaying love, then obviously God is missing. Hmm. The byproduct of love will be manifested in the gifts. But love must come first. God is love. You ask Christ into your life, suddenly he takes residence inside of you he begins to produce inside of you all sorts of his characteristics his nature and by the way the very first one is what love and that nature begins to 
well up inside of you. You suddenly can't contain it anymore. And that love begins to exude upon those around you. Why? Because what's in you can't help but come out of you. Love must come first. I stated a moment ago, speaking in tongues is important. I believe in the fullness of the Spirit. I believe wholeheartedly in the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. I believe that we need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's important for our walk with Christ. But it is just a byproduct or a manifestation of what's on the inside. If we don't love, we have nothing. Ministry without love is just an activity or a duty. But when you add love to the core of ministry, you will see a church that will blossom into what God has called it to be. Church, more than anything else, more than any spiritual gift, we must be a people that desire love more and more and more. But if we don't love, I question our relationship with God. I know this is hard, guys. I know this is just like right up in your face tonight. But Paul tells this church gone wild, he says, guys, do you really want to know the best way of life? The best way of life is to resemble that of God, to love one another. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. I ask you tonight, are you loving as God desires you to love? You see, God chooses to love us in and through every situation of our life. Not just when we're good. But in the good and in the bad of life. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's the love that we are to display. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't hold on to when it's been wrong. Love never fails. So question number two is this. Is love an option? We've discovered the root of love, and the root of love is God, because God is love. But is love an option? Do I have a choice tonight? I discovered that our love is to resemble the love of God, that one he shows to us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Since God loved us that much, how much did he love us? That he sent Jesus to die. That while we were still making mistakes, while we were still faltering, while we were still failing in life, God loved us enough to give us a way out, to give us hope for tomorrow, to to be our answer, to be our salvation, to be our victory. Surely, since God loved us that much, we ought to love one another. But how much did he love us? He paid the ultimate price for you and for me. Now, in his ministry, Jesus did not see love as an option. When he was approached by the religious leaders about 
the greatest commandment. You see, they were trying to trip him up. They were trying to back him into the corner because they disagreed on what the greatest commandment was. And they said, tell us, teacher, which one of the commandments is the greatest? And Jesus made this statement. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandments. The second is equally important. Come on, take a look at that. How can anything be equally as important as loving God with all that is in you? Well, let's find out what it is that's equally important. The second equally important, love your neighbor as your Self. The entire law and all its demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love is not an option, but love is a command. You must love. Before we dive into this verse, I want you to see what Jesus is trying to portray to us tonight. How does he start his reply? He doesn't say you ought to love or you should love or it might be a good choice to love or it might be a good idea if you love. He says you must, capital M-U-S-T, you must love. Our first commandment is to love God with all that we are, every morsel of our being. But Jesus goes on to say the second is equally important. Once again, how can it be equally important to loving God? Because the more that we love God, the more of who He is, by the way, who is He? He is love. The more of who He is begins to flow through us. God is love, and as we walk with Him, we walk in love. Then it says, our text tells us that every other law and every other command is based on these two commandments, loving God and loving people. In other words, They are the foundation of our walk with God. If we cannot truly love God with every part of our lives, and if we cannot love those around us as much as we love ourselves, we have missed the basic understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We live in a society that doesn't understand love. Our definition of love is, what can I get out of this situation? I'm going to love you as long as you do everything that I agree with. As long as this pleases me and it's better for me, then we're okay in this situation. But that's not what love really is. It's love God with all that you are and therefore love those around you more than you love yourself. God's understanding of love doesn't stop with our neighbors. It's extended to all those around us. In fact, look at Verse 20 of 1 John chapter 4, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a, say it with me, liar. Now, only like three of you said that. If anyone says that I have four minutes and 49 seconds left, he is a liar. Hey, there we go. We're almost there. And boom. Okay. Pretend that it's there. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. The word brother here from the original language includes family, nationality, religious, all people. It is not 
inclusive only of blood relatives, but it's all-inclusive to everyone. We cannot say, I love God, and then turn and hate another person. The Bible clearly points out a discrepancy and calls that individual a liar. We must learn to take this characteristic of God seriously and to truly put love into action. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the foundation of love? The foundation and the root of love is God because God is love. Is love an option? No, love is not an option. Jesus himself said you must love. Love God and love people. Question number three is this. Where does our love end? I mean, is there a point and a time that I no longer have to love? Some of you are saying to yourself, I just struggle with loving people. That was part of the foundational issue in the church in Corinth. They were bickering and arguing and complaining against one another. They were competing for who had the most power. They were favoring some over others. They simply had lost the focus of real love. I have actually heard Christians say in the past, well, I just really don't like people. Maybe you've said that yourself. My response is, really? How is that possible? We're called by God not just to like people, but to love people. The greatest thing is that we don't have to do it alone. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. The very first portion of that verse says, And as we live in God, so as we live in love, ah, come on, come on, hang out with me here. Because God is love. As we live in God or love, the definition of what love is, our love grows more perfect. As we draw closer to God, the more we begin to resemble who He really is. Now, have you ever noticed that as you hang around individuals or or people, suddenly you begin to talk like them? You pick up their lingo or their mannerisms. Maybe you pick up an accent along the way. The same goes with our relationship with God. The more that we allow Him to invest inside of us, the more of His characteristic or His love we begin to pick out or pick up. Your love for people will begin to grow and mature. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Do people recognize you as a Christian by your love or simply because you say you go to church? Let me ask that again. Do people recognize that you are a Christian by your love Or simply because you say you go to church. Notice here, I didn't say, do they know that you're a Christian because you volunteer? I didn't say, do they know you're a Christian because you have a spiritual gift? Those are just manifestations of love that's inside of you. You say, well, one day I will learn to really love. Someday I'll start to love people. Well, I say to you, today is the time. Today is the day. Now is your opportunity to begin to love. Because once again, 1 Corinthians says love is patience. 
Love is kind. Love is not jealous, not boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being when it's been wronged. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Is this the depiction of the love that you display for people? Is this a mirror of the love that you show not only to God, but to those around you? Andy, if you'll come. If our love is to resemble that of God, we must learn to allow it to be renewed every day. I shared this scripture this morning from Lamentations. It says that the mercies, the mercies of God are new every day. They're renewed, they're refreshed for you and for me. Likewise, our love must not be conditional, or must not be conditional, but unconditional. Our love must not be temporary, but ongoing. Our love must not be self-seeking, but self-giving. So I ask you tonight, where are you on the love scale? On the bottom of your outline, there's a a question. Do I show love every day as I am commanded? Now, I'm not saying that in first person for you to answer that for me. It's written this way, so you answer that for you. So, do you show love every day as you are commanded? One, no, not, not really. Ten, Oh my gracious, I really love. Where do you fall on that? Jesus said we are to love God with all that is in us and love our neighbor as ourself. You want to know what is the greatest way of life? What is Paul really trying to get across to this church gone wild? He's talked about unity. He's talked about a lot of those things. But he says the greatest thing for you to do is follow the command of Jesus. Love. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. After that, everything's going to fall into place.